Are you nervous about 2023? Well, don't be, because today we're talking to a top producer and she's going to explain exactly how she's going to stay busy and thriving so you can too. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer Kelly Parker. Before we get to Kelly, just a couple of quick reminders. Number one, please help us continue to grow by supporting our sponsors. They are the reason that we have such an amazing team. They keep us in business and we want you to keep them in business. So please check out their products and services and support them because they support us. And second part is the other way you can help us is by telling a friend. Think of one other realtor that needs to hear what you're about to hear with my conversation with Kelly and send them a link either over to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com or to any podcast app. They just search for Keeping It Real and they hit that subscribe button. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe as well. And if you also want to leave us a review, let us know what you think of the show. We would also greatly appreciate that. Okay, let's get to the main event, my conversation with Kelly Parker. Today on the show, we have Kelly Parker with Chicago Home Collective with Compass here in Chicago. Let me tell you more about Kelly. Now, Kelly has over 13 years of residential real estate experience, and her expert guidance, professionalism, and passion for mentorship has allowed Kelly to grow Chicago Home Collective into a top 1% team across the entire country. Now, this was a business that was born during the 2009 housing crash and has since transversed many real estate markets. Serving, She served over 500 clients. She's generated over 250 million in production and recently grew into a coaching platform for other female realtors. To learn more about Kelly and her team, please visit Chicago Home Collective. Dot com. Also, follow her team on Instagram, which is uh, Chicago Home Collective, and also follow Kelly 
personally on Instagram, which is Kelly underscore E underscore Parker. All of those links will be in our show notes. So you don't have to type them in. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So nice to be here. Yeah, I am really grateful that that you've come on. Um, you're a very, very popular person here in Chicago in the realtor community, and we've never had you on the show. And I know I see you at events, and I am really grateful to finally have you on after all these years um, because you've really built an incredible team. I, I've actually had some of your team members on the show before. I've had Emily on and um, really would love to talk to you about what you think is happening right now, what's happening, what maybe will happen in 2023, what agents can do to get prepared. Um, but let's go all the way back to the beginning, because I always think it's fun to hear about how you got into real estate. So do you mind sharing with our audience, you know, why real estate and how you got in? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I got in in 2009, the worst time, <laughs> according to some, to get into the industry. Um, but truthfully, it was like perfectly timed for me. I got in because I was watching what was happening. I watched, you know, the housing market come to a screeching halt and essentially crash. And I have always been someone who really, truly like valued the power of home and what it can mean for you in your life. And I just could not understand how people could lose their homes. Like, how could you have a foreclosure? How did, why were you having to do a short sale? And I really like it it really broke my heart to watch this happening for people and essentially quit the job that I was doing. I was in fashion merchandising, uh, quit that and jumped in full-time into real estate in the like spring summer of 2009 and truthfully never looked back since. Um, so it's, it's been a journey, but that my reason at the time, and it still is the reason today is that I just truly wanted to help people who were experiencing so much, so many feelings around something that to me is just so important, which is your home. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's very right on with respect to the fact that making a home buying or selling decision is it's an incredibly big decision for most people. And I mean, even for me, when when uh, I bought my uh, a second condo, um, I mean, not a second, I, I only have one condo, but my second time purchasing a condo, I was surprised at how stressful it was for me. And I'm in the industry and I have a lot of resources at my disposal. And I had a lot of people to ask to go, Did I, am I making a horrible mistake or is this a good investment? And even with all of that, it was still like really, really scary. And um, I'm curious how, you know, one of the things that I, I've always admired about you is I feel like you and your team are really good at understanding, you know, your clients' needs and concerns and stress and anxiety. Um, do you think that's, is that an accurate description? Absolutely. You know, I think one of our like taglines for Chicago Home Collective is the journey is just as dear as the destination. And it's because we really believe that your whole experience leading you up to actually closing on your home and moving into your home, you carry that experience with you into your new home. And so to me, it was it's so important that you enjoy that process, that you enjoy the journey of it, and that your home not be marked. Like one of your initial memories of your home is drama or stress or you know, there's already usually a lot of life stuff already happening around a new home, you know, marriage, children, or a new job, or a 
you know, a breakup, like there's always something else that tends to accompany a transition to a new home. And so to us, we've really made it our personal responsibility that you enjoy that process because you carry that energy, you carry that memory into the new home. And so, yeah, I mean, particularly in 2009. And that's why I was saying like, that's why I got in was I just felt like we could do so much more. I can't change the circumstances. I couldn't change that people were having to short sale their homes and make these choices, but I could at least help that transition out of a home feel a lot more enjoyable, the best that it could. And then also carried that into educating those who were going to start buying in that market um, and, and also enjoying that process. So yeah, I think you nailed it spot on. I mean, that's really what we stand for at Chicago Home Collective is enjoying the journey. And you have a all female led team. And, um, is that intentional or, and I'm curious, tell us about your team. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Where do I start? They're the most fabulous humans in I've ever known. Like, seriously, they're such an extension of my own family. Now it would be wild to not have them. Um, I, you know, started Chicago home collective eight years ago and it wasn't because I wanted a team. It's just because I was growing and I did need support, but I was like, if I'm going to have support, I'd rather do it in a mentorship form. And so I started mentoring Emily, who you've had on the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that sort of birthed Chicago Home Collective. I was like, well, I guess I got to give this thing a name. And it's not the Kelly Parker team because it was never, it's not about me. And this is what we also say at Chicago Home Collective. It's not about us. It's about our clients. There's no real hierarchy within this team. We are all collaborating. We are all collectively working towards the same end goal. And so um, it started with, with Emily. And then over the years has multiplied. And now there's a total of eight of us. We are, it is all female. You know, I think at first I wouldn't say it was intentional. I I would say this, I don't recruit people come and ask to, to speak to me and to join the team. And I, I'm not surprised that it's women because a lot of how I speak and what I stand for, I think is, is, you know, specific to females and a little bit different than some of the the usual narrative in the industry. So um, it's now we are a very proud all-female team and we will definitely be staying an all-female team. I love it. Well, um, you know, it's, it's, we're getting sort by the time this episode airs, we'll be in December. It'll be basically the end of the 2022, you know, business season. Um, Where we're at currently is, you know, a lot of agents are thinking about 2023, trying to figure out what am I going to do differently in 2023? What are, you know, what skills do I want to develop? What goals do I want to set? Um, You know, how many homes might I want to sell? What does my production want to look like? Um, You have a very unique approach to thinking about um, sort of objectives. And I'd love to sort of dive into that. So how do you think about, you know, you're a business owner, um, you have a team, how are you thinking about next year? Wow. I think, you know, if I were to just speak to like goal setting specifically, I will say that I don't set goals. I don't have production goals or financial goals. And I know for some people that makes them crazy. And they're like, well, then you don't have a business plan if you don't have a goal. And I just don't operate like that. Like, truthfully, I believe that it changes the way you do things. The reason you do things changes the way you do things. So if I am doing things to reach a goal and that is my focus, 
I truly believe it changes the way you do things and often disconnects us from what our passion is, why we're really doing this. And from there's where we derive a lot of our inspiration and our drive from. And so I think that I don't have a goal because it, it also then starts to feel very transactional, mm. right? Like I always use the example of cold calling, right? People are like, well, if you cold call 10 people and you get two people to answer, and then you get one of them as a client, it's the same sort of thing, feeling of this highly transactional and removes this human to human sort of like co-creation, if you will, of the work that we're doing. I run a very relationship-based business. I have, I am referral-based. It was intentional. It's how I built my business from the beginning. Um, because I also believe that whoever controls the leads, you know, controls the market, controls the business, as I'm sure you've heard a thousand times. And it and having that relationship, then this isn't a transaction. These are not, we cannot just reduce this to transactions and production. And so if I'm only measuring based on a production or a financial goal, I I'm missing a lot of the other, you know, opportunities for growth. I'm missing a lot of the other successes that we're seeing. We we were kind of mentioning it prior to even, I think, recording, like success is actually very different and looks very different than just production at times. And so um, I really feel like the, the key to a lot of my success is that I didn't, I don't have these goals. Now I measure at the end, I measure at the end of the year and I say, okay, like, yeah, how much production did we do? Let's celebrate that because that is valuable and it tells us something. Um, but I use it as an after the fact measurement and not a, you know, carrot that's sort of like being dangled out in front of you um, to kind of, yeah, for, for sort of all those reasons that I stated, but. You, you just, you said a lot right there and I want to just sort of unpack a little bit yes. of that because I, I think this could be really helpful for, for our audience. Um, and you reminded me of, and this is funny because I know nothing about sports, but there was a famous NCAA coach named John Wooden. And he, he was, uh, he was the UNLV or UCLA. I'm sorry, UCLA. He was the winningest coach in NCAA history. I think he still is. I think he won like seven NCAA tournaments in a row. And I think he won like nine out of 13 or something ultimately in his career. But anyway, he's a big deal. And he never looked at the scoreboard. And so you reminded me of him and he would say, and, and, and reporters and people that studied him and he was literally the winningest coach in, in NCAA history. And they would say, what do you mean? You don't look at the scoreboard. How do you not look at the scoreboard? He goes, because the, he said, the scoreboard is not really an accurate representation of the performance of my team. He said, sometimes things like luck just falls your way. Sometimes luck doesn't fall your way. The numbers up on the scoreboard may or may not be reflective of like the actual effort that was put in. And he also had said, there's times when we'll win a game because the score, we, we've scored more than the other team, but we actually lost because we didn't actually play that well. And mm -hmm. he's like, you, you can walk off the, off the court. And even though we technically won, if, if you didn't play your best so-and-so team member, you're going to feel crappy about yourself. And as you walk off the field, you're, you're or off, the, off the court, you're going to not feel good, even though you technically won and vice versa. There's times when, when, you know, you, you lose technically, but you played your best and you still feel okay about it. Um, I'm sort of getting yeah. that vibe from you. It's sort of like, let's, let's just do our best and kind of let the chips fall where they may. 
And while that may seem a bit risky or um, non-traditional, um, you are a top 1% producer. So it does actually it give works. you results. It yeah. works. See, here's the thing. I do have parameters and I do have standards. And I think this is what's important is like, I do set out the year thinking, how do I want to grow? How do I need to align my actions to where I want to go? What? How can I make my process and my experience for my clients even better? How can I be more knowledgeable and more experienced? Like I have things that I'm working towards that I know if I keep those as my focus, right, then those will result in more clients and more transactions and ultimately the production. So then at the end of the year, when we're measuring, you know, what was the production, if we feel like, if I feel like, dang, I really, I could have maybe gone further, it then tells me, what do I need to learn what do I need to do to be able to hold $50 million in business, you know? And it starts to inform a whole other set of actions beyond just, you know, the traditional tactics, if you will, of like how to get clients and how to market yourself. I'm really way more focused on myself and also my team about our personal growth, our personal development, raising our standards. And I know as we do that, right, the business comes. It's, it's a lot of, it's, it's, you're basically taking things on faith. I mean, really what we're talking about is this belief that if I do the actions that I'm pretty confident, or if I do, continue to develop skills that I'm pretty confident are, are skills that my clients deserve and need and want, um, if I can develop those in myself, my business will, I'll, I'll be able to offer more to my agent or to my, to my clients and therefore I'll attract more clients because I'll be able to give more and I'll do better. And then they'll refer more. Is that essentially the, the, the philosophy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, if I were to reduce it down to one thing, I would say that it's personal power. I have a lot of personal power around my success and what I'm able to create. My success does not, is not predicated on the circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on in the market. It doesn't matter what's going on with interest rates. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because I'm focused on myself and investing in myself and honing this skill and this expertise. And as long as I continue to, to prioritize that, right, the rest, the rest follows. I want to pause for a moment to talk about our episode sponsor, our one of my favorite companies out there, Follow Up Boss. Now, after interviewing hundreds of top realtors in the country for this podcast, do you know which CRM is used by more than any other by our guests? Of course, it is Follow Up Boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Do not take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the U.S., uses Follow-Up Boss, and he has built a $1.5 billion business in just six years. Follow-Up Boss integrates with over 250 systems, so you can keep your current tools and lead sources. Also, the best part, they have seven-day-a-week support, so you'll get the help that you need when you need it. And get this, Follow-Up Boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're offering Keeping It Real listeners a 30-day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everyone else. And oh, 
yeah, no credit card required. So you can try it risk-free, but only if you use this special link. Visit followupboss.com forward slash real. That's followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with follow-up boss. And now back to our episode. Yeah, it's it's really um it's really impressive actually. It's sort of the way that most of us I think think about goal setting is we start at the end. You were we were talking about this before we started today was you sort of start with an end goal in mind. I want to, you know, I want to earn a certain amount of money or I want to close a certain number of homes or I want to weigh a certain amount of pounds or I want to make a certain amount of money or you know whatever it might be. Um and and then we try to figure out a way to get from from here to there. And without real, and you're right, it, it can think of, it can become transactional because you, if you break it down to its smallest component, then you're like, okay, well, in order for me to get to $50 million in production, I need to make 25 phone calls a day. And I need to have, and, and, and those, and that may in fact work. I, I, I'm not here to say that it doesn't. Totally. Um, yeah. Another way to go about it would be, I want to develop skills, um, which would allow me to give more, to be more, to do more, which is a different, a little bit of a different approach actually. And mm-hmm. I actually, I personally like that approach better in some ways because I, I also believe that, um, there's always more to learn. There's always more. And, and I think what consumers really want is competence. I think more than anything, buyers, sellers, they just want somebody who knows what they're talking about. And that is going to take time. And it's an ongoing process of continuous learning. And and I suspect that your clients know that about you, that you're constantly learning, evolving, developing new skills. And therefore, you know, again, it, it you sort of work from a bottom up approach as a as more as opposed to like a top down like top down might be, okay, we want to get to a hundred million dollars in production. Bottom up might be, Hey, here are all the skills we need to develop yeah. to get to a hundred million in production. We're going to focus on the skills. Absolutely. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Cause it really, it's reducing everything down to this means to an end, like you said, right? Like if you're top and then bottom, there's automatically a huge separation which like you were saying, it forces your brain to be like, well, then what do I need to do to get from here to here? And it, that you lose something in that process. And so when people have asked me, like, how do you have the success you have? It's like, I've stayed really like connected to not just the like act of doing things like mailing postcards or sitting open houses, but like, what is, what is right for me? How do I develop myself and then show up in a way that's authentic and aligned for me? And in doing so, that draws in clients who like my style, who appreciate what I'm doing, who you know are connected to even my why. Like I share my why. Why do I do what I do as sort of like a leading message with my clients? Because people want that connection, you know, and then they're happy to refer me. And the the circle just continues. Um, so yeah. Do you mind sharing your why with us? What is your why? Oh yeah. I mean, the why is I just have such a deep, I really truly believe our homes provide a place where we can be free to be our full authentic selves. And there's not other than our four walls and a roof, right? When we go outside we not always are that way. We're dressing for a certain reason or we're talking in a certain way or we're doing certain actions for a certain outcome. But our home is like the safest place 
that hopefully you can be, right? Mm -hmm. And I just value the power of it for how it allows us to show up in our lives that to be a play a role in people, you know, starting that chapter and creating that mark in their life is just feels so special to me. And and then again, like the further why is like also just making sure they enjoy that process because I understand just how powerful it can be. So um, so yeah, staying, staying connected to that, I think has been one of the biggest, biggest things for myself, but also even my team as new agents come on, like sharing with them, like, okay, how do I market myself? How do I get clients? I'm like, share your why, why yeah. do you do this? Because people want to know, like, cause if not, they're going to make up, this is what I've learned. If you don't tell people why you do something, they will make up why you do it. We all tell stories. We all create stories about other people. So tell people why you do it. And it's the quickest way to diffuse something feeling like a transaction is like Emily, right? We use Emily as the example, but like she really wanted to help her peers who were coming out of college, who didn't have, you know, advocates when it came to finding their Chicago home. And, and it's true. That's like a true for her, but she has shared that and people resonate with that and then choose to use her because of it. And so I, I think that if there's one takeaway, it's just be, be vocal about your why. I think I kind of took us off course is what we were talking about. No, but. I don't think you took us off course at all. I, I think this is all absolutely relevant because what we're really talking about is finding your tribe, I think, and um, understanding that there's going to be a certain uh, subset of, of, of the home buying or selling population that resonates with your particular style. So you might as well be, I, the way I'm hearing you is you might as well be yourself because you, you know, you, you've got to be yourself anyway. And they're assuming you're authentic and, and, you know, you have the qualities that, um, you know, that are, are, are helpful to people looking to buy or sell homes. Um, you should have a pretty reasonable career, but you shouldn't necessarily be afraid to say, here's why I do what I do. Um, and in fact, I think people connect more with understanding someone's why than, than maybe even uh, their actual skills. I, th I think we we want to know why somebody does some, something. I think um, the fact that they're competent at it is is first most important but then we want to know like why do you do this what what's in it for you and you just eloquently shared why you do it and why it's important for you so that somebody can be their full authentic self in their home and you right. said it in a much better way than i just ex expressed it but i think that's really powerful because if you if you can have that conversation with clients and go the reason why i do this is i want you to be full feel fully safe and and authentic in your house I think, you know, I had never thought of that until you had said it. And as soon as you said it, I was like, that's absolutely right. I feel the same way. I want to feel safe and authentic in my home. And it's, it's, this is a, kind of an intangible thing that might even sound a little, they're a new agey or, or whatever, but it's, it's, it's really true. Feelings are real in, in the sense of they're important. And, and we want to, we, we're going to be staying in this, these, this physical space for, you know, a good chunk of our lives every single day. So and they tran those transcend markets too. Your feeling yeah. about your home doesn't matter what's happening in the market, right? And your desire for a new home or needing to move out of another one. So I know it does it does sound new agey, but um it's to me it's it's like the heart of what yeah. this can do. And I think particularly if you're an agent looking to grow your business and you're not sure how to market yourself or what to do, 
it provides like, to me, it provides like a core element of like, why do I do it? So based on why I'm doing it, then who are my clients? Who am I speaking to? You know, if it's like Emily, it's like, well, why do I do this? I want to help my peers. Okay. Then those are your clients. That's who we market to. That's your niche. You know, now you just have to tell them what you do and how you do it. And you'll, and then you start to see the clients come in like they have. Yeah. It, it really, yeah, I, I love that. I, I so so it seems like what you're saying is to find your passion in 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 your industry in in this industry of of what really moves the needle for you as the realtor. Like what what gets you the most excited about the process? Um, yeah. Sort of digging in, leaning into that, and then continuing to develop skills around whatever that passion might be. Maybe it's first time home buyer. Maybe it's um, maybe it's maybe it's even being with somebody along their apartment journey until they're ready to buy their first home. Maybe it's being there to guide them, or maybe it's, I don't like working with those people. I only like working with sellers or condos or, co or co-ops or whatever it might be, single family homes, um, or, or people moving from another state, I guess, whatever it is that, that you sort of get lit up the most yes. about is probably uh, an indicator of like, Ooh, I really like doing relos or, you know, I really like doing, you know, or, or maybe you're one of those rare people who likes calling expireds or FISBOs. Like well, some right. people this like that. This is the thing. Like it works for people, but it, it's not what they're doing. It's, it's the energy behind what they're doing it with. So if you really love calling strangers and cold calling FISBOs and you're like, I could do this all day, then it is your indicator that that is your lane and go, go crush it. You know, and so I think that's where we get a little bit scrambled of like, we think that there's these certain ways that we have to get business and, and then we force ourselves to show up in these ways. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to cold call. I don't really want to sit in open house. Like that feels weird to me or whatever we force ourselves. And then we wonder why we're not getting business. And it's like, cause we can, it, that and now I'm really going to sound new age, but like the frequency of that precedes you, precedes your words, precedes your actions. So if something lights you up, double down on that, do that and let that, that excitement and that joy drive what you do after that. And then the steps and the choices you start to make and how you show up in your business. I think that's really good advice. Um, so we before we started talking today, or, or, or before we started turned on the the recording, where well, I was asking you about 2023 because um, we have I have we have 800 agents or close to 800 agents in oh. our firm. You've got a lot of agents. Obviously, Compass has uh, Kelly's at Compass. They have thousands of agents here in Chicago. Um, Kelly is around a lot of agents. I'm around a lot of agents, and I'm certainly getting a sense that there's a a low level of stress that's 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 present right now although i feel like there's always stress uh, being a realtor but particularly right now it's the end of the year it's the holiday season we're, we're of course we know where rates are we know inventory is is where it is um and i know there's a lot of concern about 2023 as i'm hearing it in the ether from other agents but you don't you're not worried about it at all and i i really i'm bringing this up because you're the first person I've talked to who doesn't, who didn't even break a sweat when I mentioned it. Um, so why are you not worried about 2023? <laughs> well, I think for a, some of the reasons I've mentioned, right. I think that I've never let my success be dictated on the circumstances. 
you know, I really truly believe that the success that I've seen in my business is because of what I've, who I am and what I've done and the skills that I have developed. Um, and, and I think that's where we get a little bit hung up a lot of times when people are stressed, it's because they have made their success circumstantial on a low interest rate market or a pandemic. And I think some people, like there's elements, there's, is there a percentage of my business that was up because of the circumstances? Sure. But would I have still been successful and still done what I've done because of my own sort of like personal power in my, my, myself and my belief and all that? Absolutely. So I truly believe that because I have that outlook, it doesn't matter what's going on in the market. And, and so I'm, I'm not worried, but I'm also like, I'm weirdly excited. I think it's great. I think this is the market where we get the ability, we have the opportunity to make the biggest moves and the biggest growth and secure the most market share. And, and I fully know that I, I have the skill set and I have the knowledge and I, I have the inspiration to make sure that I'm able to, to operate as I want to during this time. So I think that, yeah. It's, no, it, it's so interesting. It's just not even, uh, you're not too worried about circumstance. You're not worried about sort of the conditions because number one, you can't control them. So you have to deal with them anyway. Um, and number two, you started in a down market, right? So mm -hmm. you started at, you know, 2008 to 2010 was not the time to get into real estate. And, but it was probably such a great time for you because you only knew a difficult uh, a challenge. And so, and you got through it. And so yeah. then you see maybe, maybe the mountain looks a little steeper this next year for a number of reasons outside of our control, but you're just, are you just going to pivot if, if need be and, and make adjustments and changes and, you know, uh, you're, you're, tell me what, what, what you're thinking about. Well, I think that like, I mean, I'm curious what you mean by pivot, but I think that one thing that I talk to my team a lot about is like being aware of the context that we hold for our business, right? Like looking at just next year to me is a very small context. I have a 13 year career, right? There's going to be chapters. And even if you've had a three year career, this is a chapter of the greater story of the career that you are writing. And so if you're so hyper-focused on, you know, the next six months or the next 12 months, Again, it kind of goes back to like you start to inform how you behave and how you show up, and it's going to change it if you can just keep a broader context of like, we might have a down year next year. Sure, possibly, yes. Do I need to be a responsible business owner and start to make some modifications to like our spend and make sure that we're not, you know, that I'm being smart? Absolutely, I can do those things, you know, and then we see what happens and we, we, I don't pull back on investing. I still invest in the in in the support that we need and the stuff that we know works for us. But I think that I have a broader context, if you will, for for what this will mean in the greater story. And so I know everyone's talking about 2023, but I think in my mind, I'm already in like 2025 because I can see how this will play in the next few years. Yeah, it's it's a really important point, and I think I think you just said something really, really big, which was I'm thinking about 2025 because 2025 is going to come, 
And we're only thinking about 2023, like you were saying. A lot of us are just focused on, you know, we might be uh, in survival mode or we might be just nervous about, but regardless, it's going to come and go and we're going to need to adapt. And also there, right, there, there, there are cycles and there are ups and downs and life isn't linear. Business isn't linear. And that's, yeah. that's the, the, the challenge I think for some of us, when we get into the business and we have our first five years and it just looks like this linear graph up and to the right, because we sell more homes every year than we did previously. And then maybe all of a sudden the market, you know, has a correction or, you know, the, uh, there's other factors at play that, that affect our ability to, to keep that trajectory going. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean the end of our business. It just means that, you know, in the natural cycle of life, uh, there's ups and downs and things that happen, but it's, it's about really weathering the storm. So you were saying like, yeah, of course, as a business owner, I'm going to make responsible decisions. I'm going to keep my spend in, in check, and I'm going to make sure that, you know, my team is getting the resources that they need. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna make it through because I'm already thinking of 2025. See, I, I think that's really interesting. I don't know how many people think that way, and I think that comes with experience, which is which is what you have. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think I've always had a unique outlook just in general on what we're doing here, um, which is why I tend to just kind of keep my head down and I kind of just do my own thing because I don't I don't want to get too um, influenced, if you will, by, you know, by, by narratives and opinions and things like that. I think that what you touched on about being linear really takes us full circle back to like the whole production and goals and success, because we think that like, if we do these things, we'll get this end result and we can contain it into a whole year. When the truth is stuff that you're going to do in 2023 is actually going to pay you in 2025, but we don't let ourselves accept that or see that or measure that because it's not this like tangible thing in front of us right now. And so I I always like kind of loathe this time of year. I mean, we're speaking, it's November. It's like, everyone should be so excited right now about what they did in 2022 and celebrating and go on vacation and don't worry and just like live your life because everyone has worked so hard the last couple of years, but I'm watching agents not do it because they're starting to freak out about next year and thinking they have to pull back and, and they're just like automatically bypassing to me, what is the most important component to continued success, which is honoring what you've accomplished, celebrating it, sharing it, like sitting in it and knowing that it doesn't end January one. It carries, it carries with you. And there's going to be stuff you did this year. You never saw the production for that will show up next year or maybe in 2024 or 2025, like we don't know. And so I think if I can just share one thing as someone who's been in this business, as long as I have now, it's like, it's never contained to a year ever. It always bleeds over into each other. So let's not, let's not be so linear in how we measure and, and where we begin and end these chapters of the story. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I th- I want to talk about celebration because I, I, that's not something I've really delved into too much in, in the show. And I think it's something that's worth, worthwhile to talk about because I think since so many realtors are individual uh, practitioners, or maybe they are on a team and there is some sort of recognition about, you know, milestones or, or certain types of activity gets noticed or appreciated, but 
Um, I I do think that it would likely be a good idea for people individually to learn how to celebrate their own achievement. And it doesn't necessarily have to be related to a goal that that got hit. Could be a skill that was learned. It could be the way that you know somebody um, improved their customer service. Uh, could be a way in which you know something got better or or or, or something new was was brought in. Um, I'm curious, how do you recommend to people to celebrate their success? Because um, I, I think we don't we do a lot of it on social media, right? right? There's a lot of like, look at me, I just sold this home. I don't. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking yeah. about internally processing, feeling actually good about something that you accomplish because, and the reason I'm making such a big deal of this, and I'm going to in a moment, just turn it over to you, um, is I think that can help get us through the hard times if we can remember what it feels like. So what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I love this question and specifically like the, this, the separation to the external, right? Like social media is a tricky beast and And I think that a lot of people think that they have to celebrate as a form of validation. And so there's a little bit in my mind, too much ego that gets attached. And I think this is what we've all felt, right? We see the celebration and you're like, oh, that kind of feels, feels like it's a little bit loaded. Right. And it's, it's, and it's okay. We're humans. We all have egos. There's that moment of wanting to like wave the flag of what you've done and what you've accomplished in a tangible material form. But I think that it's, it caused that seeing other people do that. There's a certain sort of subset of people who like myself, who are so turned off from that, that I've actually held off on celebrating because I didn't want to come off as a certain way. And I didn't want it to feel a certain way because again, why I do what I do is so heartfelt and like heart led that the dollars and the, and the goals and, or the the celebrations will never really capture all of that, right? But it, I have learned that celebrating is truly the biggest form of expressing your gratitude. Mm. And I'm, I'm really, I mean, I have a, my own mentor and that came in light of a conversation I had with her about how, how that's really what it is. Like you're, it, it, and it can be done behind closed doors. It can be done with your team. It's like what you're asking. And so we do a lot of closed door celebrations. Like, you know, we, and, and our, a lot of our goals, same thing, our personal and production and whatever. So we're never just celebrating the medal achieved. We're celebrating the whole human. And so I do think it's incredibly important to anchor that in for the reason that you said, it's something that creates a tangible, you know, feeling inside of you, a recognition for what you've done. I would say that I celebrate myself and my accomplishments in in several different ways. I think what you were saying for even for me right now, this year, one of my biggest accomplishments is that I got to spend more time with my daughter and nothing was sacrificed to do it. And that has been something I had to learn the hard way. And I worked really hard to get at. So you know, do I have like extra production to show for something? No, but I have these memories and these experiences with her and, and that's something, right. And, and so I, as I'm living life, I think being very present in my moments of recognizing that I, A, don't have to wait until the end of the year to celebrate that a lot of the time we are, we are, 
our goals and our dreams are actually being act, are actualized in everyday moments, yeah. but we're just not present enough to see them. So I think I have a sense of presence out of just sort of like reverence for celebration in general, but, um, I do like to travel. That's kind of always been my thing that I feel like traveling gives you this sense of experience. And it's like, it's sort of hard for me to explain without over talking, but like it, there's something that really helps me anchor a feeling around a celebration. And so I, I actually tend to use, use that. But, um, again, I know I said a lot, I want to encourage people to celebrate because I think that seeing others celebrate helps to give people examples of what's possible. And if you're looking for a way to ground yourself in a celebration, so it doesn't feel so showy and look at me, I always just go to the place of, can this provide an example to another female in the industry about what's possible, you know, five years in your business, eight years in your business, you know, and, and kind of being mindful, I guess, of the narrative with which you're approaching it. But yeah, the, the idea of celebration, you, you, you really got me thinking. I was, um, I was thinking it got me thinking about the, for anyone who's ever looked into relationship, um, stuff, you probably, you know, if you have a, a significant other, and you're trying to get along better with them and, and have a better relationship, you probably will stumble across the Gottman, the Gottmans who are who are kind of the the world experts uh and researchers on how people uh can can coexist and and cohabitate. And they've written a million books and they're a married couple out of, I think, uh out of Oregon or or Washington. Anyway. But anyway, they have um they have this ratio that they've proven that. Uh, for a healthy interpersonal relationship, you know, um, a romantic relationship, the golden ratio is five affirming things for every one uh, sort of negative thing, a very critical thing, one critical thing. So if I want to say, oh, you know, you're doing the dishes the wrong way or whatever, or you didn't do the dishes or whatever, whatever the criticism might be, if you can if you can have five affirming things, but here's all the, here are the things you did right. You know, you would sprinkle those throughout the day. Um, that's what a healthy relationship and a happy relationship looks like. It's five affirming things to everyone, one sort of non-affirming thing. And what you were saying is really important because we are talking about celebration and I was thinking about that and I was thinking, how often do I celebrate myself? Um, for the things that I may have accomplished or in our listeners' ears, what you have accomplished today. You definitely did some things well today and, and, and I did some things well and I did some things that maybe I could improve on. But how often am I even celebrating those little milestones? Um, and I used to think you had to get to the end of the goal before you could celebrate. But I, I've learned, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, I've learned that celebrating along the way it actually keeps keeps the engine running for me. Um, it doesn't yeah. actually stop the motivation. Like, oh, I accomplished it. I'm good. No, because that was kind of my fears. I can't can't celebrate until I get to the end. Um, and I think that's a mistake because yeah. we're talking about celebrating a, a, throughout the journey. And I, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, you hear about like gratitude groups. I don't think we have a gratitude problem. Um, I think we have a celebration problem. Yes, I think we're all, yeah. I think we're all grateful or if you're not, whatever, there's, there's, there's lots of ways to become grateful, but I think the bigger issue is around celebrating one's own, you know, power agency success. Curious to get, to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think that the celebration somewhere along the way got tainted. Right. And, 
and to your point, it's like, if we just bring it back to the gratitude and you just can focus on that, then, then it helps clear the air for a lot of other people to step into their own gratitude. So I think we've tangled celebration and gratitude. So it's like people aren't even taking a moment to be grateful for what they've done or accomplished because it feels gross and it feels showy or they have, we're very tangled in that. And so I, yeah, I would agree. I think we have more of a celebration problem. And to your to your point of, you know, I think a lot of people wait until the end of the year. They wait till they hit the goal. But the truth is the goalpost literally moves every time. Like, okay, I want to do $20 million. I did $20 million and I was like, like we did it. Like, okay, like it, and then the next without if you're not conscious and you're not aware it's automatically 25 before you even like get 20 out of your mouth and then it's 30 and then it's 35. And all of a sudden you're living your life towards this end goal and you're missing all of the moments in between all of the beautiful things that have compounded and compounded that are worth celebrating on the way to this, you know, this goal and, and I also think being present in those moments of yourself and celebrating yourself really helps this to not feel like a win or a lose. Yeah. Right. If you have a goal and you don't make it, then it means you lost. If you have a goal and you made it, then it means you succeeded. And I think that diametrically, I don't even know if that's the right word. That's the word I want to use, but like that, that sort of like two-dimensional, like you win or you lose mentality is what keeps so many people from celebrating because they're like, why well, didn't hit my goal? Well, that wasn't the definition of success. Did you show up every day? Have you grown? Have you changed? Did you help someone? You know, that's what we should be celebrating. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to to sort of wrap up because I, this idea of celebration is it is the time of year to celebrate. You know, we're we're the holiday season. Um, This is time to reflect, uh, to to be thankful. And also to think to the future, and and you're already doing that. But I, I think it's to to your point about being increasing the celebration. There, are, I think it would it would be really neat to almost even start like a celebration uh, accountability partner, where every yeah. week instead of just talking about what you accomplished, well, in, in addition to holding each other accountable for things that you want to accomplish, which I think is a good idea. Um, also having some sort of celebration, uh, even if it's just between one-to-one, one person to another, Hey man, great job this week. Hey, so-and-so, uh, you know, you, you, even if you didn't necessarily achieve your goal, you're still on target you're, or you're still trying, you're still, you know, th- this, this idea of encouragement, um, really just gets everyone through the hard times. And Absolutely. I think, I think we're coming up on some, some more difficult, well, it's been difficult to be a realtor in the last couple of years. I mean, I also want to say just because rates were lower, didn't make it any easier to be a realtor. In fact, it, you, I mean, I wasn't out there in the trenches with, like you and your team. I mean, it was hard to be a realtor the last couple of years. It was hard. And I think that's why my outlook for the next year is very different is because I think that, Yeah. It's it was hard. And it was there was a lot of other things we were having to navigate and a lot of certain clients in the market for different reasons. And I think that we get again, we gotta get to decide what this means. And I think I'm making this mean that it'll be at a pace that's more sustainable. It'll be with, you know, 
slightly more favorable outcomes for all clients. I think it was very skewed the last, you know, couple of years. So again, it's just sort of that perspective shift on what we make these markets mean, but yeah, they haven't, they haven't been easy. And so I really hope that everybody does celebrate. I love what you said actually about an accountability partner, because something I've been thinking about and we try to do this, we could be better at it is celebrating agents that you don't actually like aren't maybe even in your team. I see so many women, particularly in these magazines who, who accomplish amazing things. And I'm like DMing them. Why isn't this on your Instagram? Why didn't you talk about this? Like we're celebrating you. I think we, the, we could lead by example and celebrate each other and congratulate each other without prompt because it really helps, I think, us all feel a little bit more seen and accepted and encouraged to celebrate ourselves. So I, I think that's a great point. You know, for everyone listening, pay attention to the milestones that other people might be hitting, people that you like, that you respect reach out to them when those milestones yeah. happen. It might be exactly what they need to hear. And they may just be more like Kelly, who's like, I don't really want to put that out there because maybe I'd seen as show offy and, and put it out there for them. Be proud of, of the people that in your community and watch what happens. You, you're not going to do it for this boomerang reason that it's going to come back to you, but it probably will come back to you too. Um, this idea of, of lifting other other people up, um, you know, in their successes, uh, it's worked well for me. I've, I've, I've had a similar mentality when I've, when I see things that happen to people, um, that are very impressive to me, I'll often, I'll reach out to them and just say like, congratulations on, on such and such, even people I don't know. Um, and, and I found that in many cases, they will say things like, you're the only person that reached out to me. It doesn't make me a great guy. It just makes me the one person who did it. And anybody can do that. And what yeah. I think will, what, what, what comes with that is a lot of times, a lot of opportunity ends up coming from that because people will go, wow, well, that's nice that so-and-so thought about me. Um, I'm going to take a closer look at this, this particular individual. It's, it's almost very similar to what you do for clients, this idea of giving, uh, to, to give and give, give, give authentically. And then, you know, you sort of hope that, uh, things come back and, and they do. Um, but we should also talk about your team. Your team is growing, you know, 2023 growing. is not a scary year for you. So if there are any, anyone who thinks that they would love to work with someone like Kelly and maybe join Chicago home collective and learn more about what they offer, uh, Kelly, what's the best way that our listeners can reach out if they think they'd be a fit. DM us on Instagram. We are in the final stages of a new website that has been a labor of love and it's not quite done yet. It'll be done in the new year. So don't judge my website. It's a solid eight years old at this point, but um, go on our Instagram. You can send me a DM on there. You can follow, you can, you can go on my personal account too. You can, you can message me either location. Um, that's how most people end up finding us. So here are the links. We got chicagohomecollective.com, which again is going to get a refresh, although I think it looks quite lovely even now. Um, and then also follow uh, Kelly on Instagram. The two Instagram accounts are Chicago Home Collective and Kelly underscore E underscore Parker to learn more about Kelly. I mean, if, if anyone is out there 
uh, looking at 2023 and thinking about making a shift and saying, you know, I really want to sort of hitch my, my, my horse to, to a different, or hitch my wagon to a different horse. I, I, I don't want to, actually, I don't want to, I don't want to connect you with being a it's horse, uh, but the, the metaphor is, is I think, okay. Um, but I just had to think about that. I was like, hmm. I, and anyway, if you want to uh, connect with somebody who's, who's really got an interesting philosophy, who's been successful and kind of approaches uh, her success a little bit differently, but in a way I think that makes just all the sense in the world. Um, you know, the Chicago Home Collective might be the team for you. So check out uh, chicagohomecollective.com. Um, reach out to Kelly, slide into her DMs as the young people say, slide. although I think that- I think that might be like a dating reference. So don't do that unless you, or maybe do that if you want, but um, reach out to Kelly in any way that you want to. Uh, she is easy to find and she would love to chat with you and see if you might be a good match to help them grow into 2023. So, and 2025, because Kelly looks hey. many, many years out. That's where we're um, headed. <laughs> Kelly, thank you on behalf of our audience. This is a really fun conversation for me personally. I appreciate you um, for being on our show. I've always wanted to have you on and I'm so glad we finally did get you here and um, hope we can continue to to uh, to get you back on the show from time to time to get your philosophies and thoughts about you know growing a team and, and sort of navigating yeah. some, some difficult times in the business. Um, Thank, thank you. you on behalf of the audience, on behalf of Kelly and myself to the audience. We want to also say thank you. Please remember to tell a friend. That's the only thing we'll ask of you is just tell one other realtor about this episode. Send them a link over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. They can stream every episode we've ever done right from their website um, or just pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real and hit that subscribe button. We would appreciate it. Kelly, thank you. Thank you. And DJ, thank see you. It's a great conversation. I appreciate it. I do. I do as well. And we will see everybody on the next episode.